0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? Mm -hmm. That's what I like to hear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Script to Screen. Today we're going to be doing a bonus podcast episode on the new film from Martin Scorsese, The Irishman. The Irishman premiered on Netflix on November 27th, 2019. It stars Robert De Niro as Frank Sheeran as he recalls his past years working in the Buffalino crime family that he's older the world war ii veteran once again reflects on his most prolific hits and in particular considers his involvement with his good friend jimmy hoffa's disappearance in 1975 jimmy hoffa being played of course by al pacino so the irishman is a fascinating movie i mean martin scorsese has been working in the crime mob sort of realm of things for a while now uh probably most famously for goodfellas in 1990 but i mean it's something that he's basically known for it's it's a staple of his to be working in that arena at this point uh so it's it's really interesting to see him going back to that again and i mean this is this is still different from what he's done in the past i mean goodfellas was uh it's very obsessed with the mob world and this is not so much obsessed, but sort of just uh depicting it in a in a different kind of way. I think, and it's interesting to see him kind of go in some different directions with this. Uh, but there's there's been a lot of a lot of talk about this movie, uh, a lot of different uh, controversies. I mean, Martin Scorsese earlier this year uh talked about how he thinks that Marvel movies aren't quote cinema, and how they're just like theme park attractions, and how. Uh, these these big movies that are that, that are bringing a lot of people to to this to the movie theaters like Avengers Endgame in in particular which made uh, more than eight hundred million dollars in the United States and broke two billion dollars uh, worldwide it, it it's something that not necessarily irks him I don't know he he just has voiced his disagreement with with the fact that these Marvel movies are being held in such high esteem so to, for him to also have a movie coming out this year and kind of he's trying to promote this movie in the midst of this I don't know kind of silly controversy if I'm being honest it it's an interesting time for him but I think that the Irishman if we're going to ignore the kind of controversy around this is I think one of his most introspective and poignant and purposeful movies particularly in the way that it looks at violence because kind of violence is something that's inherent to the mob genre because it's just something that is a part of who like mobsters are. And so Martin Scorsese's past movies have all depicted violence, but they've all kind of almost glamorized it and kind of uh worshipped it to a certain extent. I mean, violence is something that that Martin Scorsese seemed to be kind of obsessed with, whereas here it's not so much ab- about violence and depicting the violence itself so much as it is interested in the effects of the violence and kind of seeing not just the effects of violence on society and and kind of the and the world of the mob, but the effects that violence have on the people who commit the violence, and I think that is a very fascinating uh, topic to to delve into. And I think that the movie, even though it's three and a half hours long, sort of makes that its gener- its its focus. And I think even even though there's other events that happen around these these violent acts, I think they're all they're always under the shadow of these violent acts that are always very quick I mean they're they don't they don't he doesn't revel in the violence it just happens it's pop pop it's done and you kind of have to deal with the effects of that both on the psych, psychology of of Robert de Niro's character uh but also kind of on, on his world and his family also and it and it's, and it seems like he Martin Scorsese in this movie is a lot more aware of the psychological effects that violence has on on you as a person than he has in his past films and i think i did this is a three and a half hour long movie but but again i i feel like that's become sort of the the focus of the conversation oh martin scorsese made a movie that's three and a half hours long it's the longest movie he's ever made And he's made a lot of long movies and and people aren't going to be willing to sit through this and not people don't want to watch a three and a half hour long movie on netflix and if they are going to watch they're going to watch it in pieces like i think that's kind of become the the narrative surrounding this movie, but I think that's kind of missing missing the point to a certain extent because really I think the the length is is not is not an issue for me. I mean, there's there's something these these 209 minutes that are in this movie are all purposeful. They all have something to to do. It's not like he's just wasting time. He's not intentionally making this long just so you don't want to watch it. I think they're all I mean, I watched this pretty late at night and it, I still, I was, normally, I I don't have a, I'm not, sometimes it's hard for me to stay up late at night and watch movies, but this is engaging from start to finish. It kind of creates sort of a a surreal experience compared to his other movies, and I think that might be because he's kind of getting more, uh, centering, focusing more on the emotions rather than the events themselves, than he has done in the past, but, like, it does seem kind of weird in a certain sense because, he is going very visceral with this, and you don't necessarily uh, attribute something that's visceral to something that's surreal. But I think it applies here because, especially with the last half hour, to hour of this movie, where we're kind of going on this very intimate portrait of Frank Sheeran, Robert De Niro's character, and it it gets a lot more personal than you than you'd expect. It kind of tries to understand who he, who Frank Sheeran really was as a person, rather than just kind of like depicting the events of his life in the most glamorous way possible, which I really, really enjoyed. I think it just really shows that I think Martin Scorsese kind of understood how to create a, a better moral framework. I mean, if you look at something like The Wolf of Wall Street, which does have a very, not necessarily clear moral framework, but it does have a moral framework that not, I don't know. I mean, it's the, it, it's only established by like the last shot in that movie where you where he turns the camera around on the audience that's sitting there watching uh Jordan Belfort and kind of and I think what he's doing in that in that movie is suggesting that we've we've enjoyed Martin Scorsese showing us these these very insane uh depraved acts of sex and violence and just craziness for the past three hours and i think he understands that like that's something that we as american film goers enjoy and then he's at the at the the, only at the end he kind of shows that and twists that on his head and said hey what you should reevaluate yourself in this and kind of rethink what this truly means but the problem with that is that the wolf of wall street still puts you through that and still kind of you don't necessarily realize that until the end and so but whereas with the Irishman, I think he's got that moral framework built more so throughout the entire runtime of the film, and I think that's something that he. I don't know if that's just him growing as a filmmaker. I mean, I, I don't want to say Martin Scorsese is growing as a filmmaker because he's he's been around for so long and he and he has such a such a legacy of being a fantastic filmmaker. But I think maybe not necessarily growing as a storyteller, but just growing as someone who who understands morality. And I think morality is such a huge part. Of filmmaking to me, and of storytelling, that I think that if that part of it is missing from so many of his works, and not necessarily missing, but just not as clear and not as focused and not as purposeful, and I think that's that bringing that in here is so much better is make is what makes it kind of stand out from the rest of his works. But I think another thing about that is that this movie still doesn't really heavily focus on that morality aspect of it until the last half hour to hour of the movie, which it, which is very interesting. But I, it's it's not that he doesn't focus on it throughout. He does have these little bits and pieces sprinkled throughout his story because otherwise it's just a typical Martin Scorsese movie. But then you get to the last half hour to hour of it and that's the primary focus is what this has done to Frank Sheeran as a person and, and how his life has kind of uh, developed as a whole and kind of how we see who he really is and and the effects of of his sin and the things that that he's gone through and and even his his long life and his long life of reflection on his on his actions compared with the mobsters around him that have gotten gunned down and strangled and all these violent acts and and all the people around frank sheeran that have died in very violent ways and how he has lived so long being in this world of violence but not dying himself. And that's not a spoiler. They sh- the very first shot of the movie is is him as an old man in, in the in the nursing home. So you know from the very start that he doesn't die in a violent way. But I think and throughout but throughout the movie we keep getting these bits and pieces of the people around him who have died in violent ways. And we the thing that's very interesting about that even is that Martin Scorsese doesn't even show us all these people die. He just literally tells us that he that they die. Which I think is fa- in in violent ways, and I think that's fascinating. I think that's kind of him realizing that he doesn't have to show violence necessarily or necessarily glamorize it. I don't know if you, I don't know if you consider Goodfellas violence to be glamorized, but it's definitely more so glamorized than it is here in The Irishman. I think, like, if you compare something like The Godfather to to Goodfellas, to basically the consider the two greatest mobster flicks of all time, I think The Godfather for me is I like more because I think it just understands the weight of the actions the weight of these of these uh depraved actions that these men are going are 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 taking and and doing these terrible things and i think the godfather kind of is more aware of that and even if it's not more aware it, it's it states what it wants to say about the violence much more clearly than the goodfellas does and i, I mean goodfellas doesn't I don't know if it's not saying something, but it's just it's not saying anything as clearly as The Godfather is. I think here it's The Irishman is interesting in that regard because it's such a massive film. It's got three and a half hours of run time to kind of take in and and process, and so because it's so long, it's somewhat difficult to perceive all of the small ticks in its like them- thematic ambitions, and so. That might be the only problem with it being so long is because it feels at, at times impossible to completely grasp exactly what it's saying. And even compared to something like The Godfather Part 2, which is basically the same length, three and a half hours, which I don't know if it's because it's it's simpler. I mean, it also has kind of a, a broken structure and that we're going between or a split structure and that we're going between. Michael Corleone's life in the present day and then back to Vito Corleone's life when he f- had first come to America and going back and forth between those two things. And that's kind of what, what the Irishman is doing as well, is going back between uh, Frank Sheeran's life as an older older man and Frank Sheeran's life as a younger man and kind of going back in between those. But I think something about The Godfather 2 is, is is also still very clear. Whereas with here, it, it's, it's, it's long run time almost buries its message and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing I think because I think burying the message but still being the message allowed to be heard is a very interesting thing to me and I kind of and I like that because I was I was able to get a general sense of what the message was but then again I also like it if you when like contrasting this with smaller more compact more quote-unquote efficient films I can't really see how the Irishman works in its small ticks especially thematically like even once upon a time in hollywood which is a two and a half hour plus movie i i understand kind of i see the thematic framework i see the thematic uh beats that tarantino is laying in and that's what makes once upon a time in hollywood my favorite of of what he's done is because you do see the the thematic things that he's doing and 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 weaving a a morale a moral into the story just not making super obvious because he's got all these sort of like more entertaining scenes that they're buried within. Whereas with The Irishman, it's like, it's this very interesting thing where I I'm, I more got a sense of what Martin Scorsese is trying to say rather than with other films compared to say, let's like say Parasite or Us that came out this year, where I see exactly what the filmmaker is saying and I can understand how they're saying it. Whereas with here in The Irishman, I understand what Martin Scorsese is trying to say at least partially, but I can't really figure out how he's saying it to me which is which is interesting it's just something that i haven't really experienced in, in a little bit and but and i don't know if that's good or bad thing i think that might just require a rewatch. but then again that brings us back to the long run time it's three and a half hours long i'm probably not gonna get around to rewatching this for a little bit um the other the other big sort of thing surrounding this movie is the visual effects uh because it is go it's robert de niro and al pacino playing themselves at a much younger age and kind of going back and forth between them as younger and older and joel pesci as well uh, Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, and Al Pacino—all fantastic actors, well deserving of their fame and glory. Whatever, uh, they are digitally de-aged, basically, and I think it—it it works. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a huge undertaking, uh, because the film heavily relies on these effects. There's not many shots in the movie that don't have VFX that are very obvious. I mean, most uh, most modern movies, not not most, but a lot of modern movies have. VFX shots in basically every shot. But not necessarily all of them are obviously VFX. Uh, but here it, it, they are. It's like, oh, that's not what Robert De Niro looks like today. I, I know that. Because, well, And also because I knew what Robert De Niro looked like back when he was the, actually that age. And he doesn't look like that either. But it still is incredible to see how they are actually still able to pull a performance out of this in, after laying CG. It's kind of like watching Andy Serkis in Planet of the Apes the neutral Planet of the Apes trilogy because he's got the digital VFX on him the entire movie and he's still able to see his performance come through that. I'm not sure if the if it really entirely works or not. I think it kind of the eyes and the face kind of look kind of like po- the Polar Express at times, which is kind of the infamous example of where. Uh, motion tracking didn't really works out too well, and I think that's kind of like the the eyes and the and and not necessarily just the eyes, but the skin around the eyes just looks kind of flat. Uh, whereas it's just something that's so difficult to get right because that's something that we know so well as as humans and kind of can can tell almost immediately when it's off. And I think here it it because Robert De Niro is giving such a great performance. I don't want to discount what he's doing or what the visual effects artists are doing also, but I think it is sort of something that is up for debate as to whether or not it works completely or not. And I think it is a huge step forward. I mean, we're I think this is kind of getting toward the port where we're going to get out of the uncanny valley and get into sort of the place where these CG characters can be completely lifelike. There is an interesting character here. Uh, it's Jimmy, it's not Jimmy Hoffa. It's Frank Sheeran's daughter, Peggy Sheeran, played by Anna Paquin and she she has come under not her herself but uh the filmmakers have been come under come under some fire for not giving her enough lines which i thought was really weird because i thought the way that she speaks peggy sheeran in this movie the 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 amount of words she speaks and when she speaks them is fascinating to me because it's the word the ones she basically has one or two lines and the one or two lines that she has would not be as effective as they are if every single other time that you see her, she doesn't really talk at all. And I think that's kind of her character is fascinating. And her her character is Peggy Sheeran is a, is a lot of where we get the moral framework for this movie because she is in it from the pretty much the very start. Uh, not always played by Anne when There's a, there's a younger actress who plays her at the at the beginning because obviously she gets older. Because uh, this movie spans a huge uh, long a uh, huge span of time, but she kind of provides the the mirror for Frank Sheeran in a way like he looks at Peggy and he kind of sees like what this violence is doing to him in a way it's, it's really fascinating. And I think that was one of my favorite parts of the movie is, is her being in it. And I think just overall the Irishman is a fascinating movie and it's something that I think you should definitely check out. I don't, I would say don't be afraid of the runtime. I would say just start it and, and what it's really honestly fascinating all the way through from start to finish. It's on Netflix. Go check it out. It's probably going to get uh, Best Picture and Best Director nominations uh, from Martin Scorsese. And honestly, I would say uh, for Oscar season, I, I would say this is a huge contender for best editing because it's fascinating how they can make a three and a half hour long movie that compelling and that fast paced. And I think editing is is a huge strength of this movie because normally you don't, you don't, congratulate movies for three and a half hour long rain t- run times you say like look at you look at something like it chapter two which is almost three hours long you're like guys this does not this movie does not need to be this long this movie has terrible editing because it's so long whereas with the Irishman it's like this movie's super long but like they they, they made it captivating f- throughout and it still is this long and it's still this captivating and that's impressive that's that's still very impressive to me and I think I mean I think if, if depends on your taste in, in mobster movies, but if, definitely if you're a fan of mobster movies or anything kind of like this or Martin Scorsese in general, or, or really just awards films, this is definitely one that you should check out. That'll do it for this bonus episode of Script to Screen. Thanks for listening. If you want to listen to the live show, you can go to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh from 7 to 8 on Saturdays. This week, we're going to be talking about a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Tune in and we'll see you then.